Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, it's great to see you. Welcome to Blue Ridge Church. My name is Scott. And whether you're joining us online, in person, or maybe it's your first time here, we're glad that you've joined us for the series that we've been in this summer called Written in Stone. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at the Ten Commandments of God in Exodus chapter 20 and and going back and looking at how these apply to our lives. And if you want to follow along uh, at any time with our notes, you can access the Church Center app. We recommend you download that to your phone, but if not, you can scan the QR code on the side screens, or you can just go to blueridgechurch.net, and our, our notes are out there as well. But each week, we've been talking about how these are loving commandments, loving guidelines from God. He's not just trying to take the fun out of our life or to rob us of joy. He knows the best path for our life. And if you were with us last week, Cody, our new groups pastor, talked about the commandment, uh, you should not murder. Sounds pretty straightforward. But then he took us over into the New Testament and what Jesus said about anger and, and, and how Jesus talked about murder. And he didn't say they were the same thing, but he said they're just as dangerous, right? Because they kind of violate the heart of that commandment, that it violates another human being, whether we're angry, whether we murder. And so we have to get control of our anger. We have to deal with our unresolved anger, or it's going to keep us from progressing in life, and it's going to keep us from progressing on our spiritual journey. So today, I want to try to cover two of the commandments, uh, number seven and number eight. Now, I'm pretty excited about number seven because I think number seven has the potential to protect our marriages, to safeguard our marriages for those of you that are married. And if you're single or, or just dating or you're not interested in dating, you're like, oh, great, I picked a bad Sunday to come to church, but I would encourage you to take notes, all right, because you don't know if you're going to go down that path someday and you're going to get serious about someone and maybe enter into the covenant of marriage. But obviously, you you probably already figured out what commandment we're going to talk about. Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, you must not commit adultery. Now, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Don't commit adultery. Now, each week we talk about the value of the commandment that we're discussing, right, that we're talking about, but I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to talk about the value of this commandment because I'm betting that everybody at home watching, everybody here, we know the value of this commandment. We fully understand the consequences when we don't obey this commandment. We get that. I mean, nobody's ever said, gosh, adultery was the best thing that ever happened in my marriage, right? Nobody says, yeah, it caused us to split up. It caused us to go our separate ways. And, and we, you know, we got different kids now and, and my kids get double the Christmas gifts. Nobody says that. It's devastating. So I think we understand pretty clearly the consequences of the why behind this commandment and to protect the marriage covenant that God gave us. And I've talked to so many people over the years who have had to recover from the damage of an affair or the damage of 
adultery, either a decision they made, a decision that their spouse made, but it leaves a trail of destruction and a trail of tears. And maybe you're joining us today and you'd say, hey, that's me. I'm having to pick up the pieces right now. And so you understand firsthand the the shame and the guilt and the the destruction and and now the lack of trust maybe that you have or the regret that you have. And I just want to set the record straight. I'm not, my job today is not to condemn anyone. It's not to, you know, try to bring up all those old feelings and all that memory and, and make anybody have to go through that pain again. In fact, what I would remind all of us, if you're dealing right now with the consequences of a decision you've made or the decision another person has made, whether it's uh, dealing with adultery or some other sin in your life, I want to remind all of us of what Christ did for us, all right? I think that's the foundation, and it's Romans chapter 8, verse 1. is a great verse to look at. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So the consequences of sin, whatever I'm living with, whatever you're living with, God's forgiven us. God's forgiven you. God's forgiven me. God's considering forgiving Cody for last weekend when he threw his family in South Carolina under the bus. The jury's still out on that. But the truth is when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, when we accept what he did for us on the cross, we are forgiven, period. So you need to remember that as we go through this today. And, and so my goal is to really talk about in a very candid way, how do we stay away from the havoc that an affair can cause? How can we meet and obey this commandment every single day of our lives, and it's important because quite honestly, no matter how many times we've seen an affair, no matter how many times we've heard about it, at work or at school or amongst our friends, we are still pretty naive. Because we say, well, that would never happen to me. You know, if I took a poll this morning and said, all right, how many of you are planning on imploding your marriage by having an affair? nobody would raise their hand. Yet it happens all the time. It happens all the time. Why? And I think learning number one will help us to answer that. We don't prepare and set up boundaries to prevent an affair. I think that's why it happens a lot of times in our life. And it's easy too for us to forget that what leads to an affair is something called sexual temptation. And sexual temptation never completely leaves our life. All right, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care what your faith background is, whether you follow Christ, you don't follow Christ. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. You could be incredibly happy in your marriage and satisfied in your marriage, or you could be miserable in your marriage. It doesn't matter. Sexual temptation never completely goes away. And in order to conquer this commandment, we got to be realistic about that. It's never going to go away. And that's what leads us down the path of adultery. And at the same time, though, knowing that that's a reality and that's something we're going to deal with throughout our life, we don't have to live 
with an attitude of defeat, right? We don't have to live life overwhelmed. We simply have to plan ahead. I mean, Paul, very influential leader in the early church, he said it's not a sin to be tempted. So the fact that maybe you deal with sexual temptation or I deal with sexual temptation doesn't mean you're a bad person or I'm a bad person, doesn't mean that we're horrible. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that Jesus was tempted. Why right? Jesus was tempted in every way, yet Jesus didn't indulge in it. And that's temptations that he faced, right? He found a way to resist it, and that's what we have to do. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 15 says this, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So this morning, I want to talk about how do we resist sexual temptation that leads to adultery? How do we safeguard and protect and guard this precious gift called marriage that God has given us? And again, if you're single, just listen. Maybe take a few notes. But like a lot of sin that enters our life, the battle for sexual temptation starts in our, our thought process. It starts with our mind because we become what we think about, right? If we're constantly thinking about something, then eventually it's going to turn into feelings, and then eventually those feelings are going to turn into actions, and then guess what? Those actions have consequences. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. So the battle is won or lost in our mind. That's what this is saying. If we have an open mind, one that's never filtered, one that never pays any attention to what goes in it, if we don't manage well what goes into it, eventually our mind becomes full of garbage. You've probably heard your parents say that. Think about when you try to stop doing something. You know, you, 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 maybe it's a bad habit. And you, you, I want to stop doing this. And all you can focus on is that action what you're doing, right? That doesn't help. That doesn't change anything by focusing on the action. What we have to do, the Scripture says, is renew our mind. In other words, we have to think differently because, again, the battle for any sin or any temptation, it starts in our mind. Romans 12, 2, very familiar verse to some of you. Do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here's learning number two. Long before we're acting wrong, we're thinking wrong. So we have to be intentional. Pretty simple too, but be intentional about managing our thought life. 
We have to change, as that scripture verse says, how we think. And I think part of managing our mind and what goes into our mind is to watch our media intake. I mean, we've got the world's information right here at our fingertips and just information overload. But what we watch, what we listen to, what we allow ourselves to be entertained by, it influences our minds in an incredibly powerful way. So we have to be careful about what we watch. And I know I hate to even talk about this because it sounds like, oh my gosh, this is so legalistic, right? And I'm not saying, all right, when you get home, you know, I want you to get the modem. I want you to get the router from your internet and I want you to jerk it out of the wall. That's not what I'm saying, all right? I'm not saying that on your Amazon Fire Stick, the only app you can have is the Up Faith and Family channel. It's not what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is we have to be careful about what we allow into our minds because if we don't, our minds become polluted. It's like your car. If you never, ever change the oil filter, if you never, ever change the air filter, eventually your engine is going to become full of crud. It's going to become polluted. It's eventually going to stop working. So just like we filter our car, you know, we got to filter our minds, not just for an affair, not just to prevent adultery, this commandment we're talking about, but any sin that we're tempted to commit. We have to be careful. Psalm 101 verse 3, King David said, I refuse to take a second look at corrupting people and degrading things. Now, thousands of years ago, King David, man, he understood this concept, right? Whatever gets your attention gets you. Think about the affair he had with Bathsheba. The key wasn't simply to resist. He needed to refocus. He needed to think about something else. And if we can do that, if I'm not focused on something, it's going to have a very hard time getting into my mind, right? And if it has a very hard time getting into my mind, it's not going to make it to my feelings. And if it doesn't make it to my feelings, it's not going to make it to my actions. And if it doesn't make it to my actions, I'm not going to have any consequences. It's amazing today how we are so concerned with purity in certain areas of our life right? We want clean drinking water. Oh, we got to have clean drinking water, right? We need, we want clean foods and healthy foods and, and you got all these organic, you, you know, foods and, and chickens who, you know, get to roam free, which means they get out of the cage for 45 minutes a day and that's it. It's not like they're laying chicken eggs all over the world, right? All right, I digress. But <laughs> we're concerned, we're concerned about that, right? Yet we don't give a second thought to what the entertainment industry puts in our minds. We would certainly not tolerate that kind of garbage in our food or in our water, but we tolerate it every day with what we listen to or what we watch, what we're entertained by, what we allow in our minds. And then we wonder, well, why did my actions take me down this path? It didn't start with your actions. It started with my thoughts. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord 
with pure hearts. And I know that just sounds so legalistic, what I've talked about, but it's just as important what we feed our minds as what we're feeding our bodies and what we're putting into our bodies. Proverbs 15, 14 says, a wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. So we got to give a gut level question to ourselves, you know, what am I feeding my mind? Does the TV shows that I watch feed my mind with lustful thoughts? Does the music that I listen to create in my mind these unrealistic sexual images or Does it feed my disrespect when I'm being entertained by to a member of the opposite sex and just turns them into an object of of, of my lust? If so, we're setting ourselves up for disaster, so we've got to filter that. Listen, we think it's, oh, it's just a decision that I'm making today to do this or to think about this or to be entertained by this, but every decision that you and I make, it's not just a decision in today, is it? It's a decision that's leading us down a path. It's a decision that's leading us on a destination. I'm just telling you, I meet with people all the time who are dealing now with the repercussions of their actions because their thoughts got out of control. Again, it didn't start with them just doing these actions. It started with their thoughts getting out of control. Here's another way to, uh, other than to manage what goes in here, another way to resist sexual temptation, join a monastery. All right, that's probably not going to work for most. That would help, right? But that's probably not practical. Uh, In all seriousness, we got to set up boundaries. We have to have a lot of boundaries in our life. I mean, it's a simple principle. Don't put yourself in a position where you're going to be tempted, right? Your mom probably told you that. Your dad probably told you that. If you struggle with alcoholism, don't go to a bar, right? If you struggle with gambling, you don't go to a, a casino. We just don't put ourselves in positions where we're going to be tempted. So we put boundaries around our life. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. So we should never become overly confident that we're exempt from sexual temptation. So we got to guard our hearts and we got to guard our minds, especially when it comes to something called pornography. So many people in our culture today think that pornography is not that big a deal. And that's because they haven't ever sat down and talked with somebody whose life is completely falling apart because of it and whose marriage was destroyed because of it and whose relationship with their kids was destroyed because of it. And listen, the problem with pornography is you don't have to look for it anymore. When I grew up, you had to look for it, right? Today, it finds us. It's everywhere. And all it does is it feeds those lustful thoughts that we have. So we have to put up a boundary around that. How about social media or social networking? I don't even know what the proper term is, but we should put boundaries around that. And again, I know I'm probably showing my age, but listen to these statistics and these statements that I found this week on a relationship advice website. Heavy social media users are two times more likely to contemplate divorce. They're twice as likely to 
uh, to contemplate divorce if they use social media heavily. Here's another one. Social media is responsible for 30% of all cheating in marriages. 30%. One out of every five divorce cases, in other words, 20%, are directly caused by Facebook. That's how the relationship started. 20%. 30% of all Tinder users, everybody know what Tinder is? Yeah. 30% of Tinder users are married. We got to have boundaries around it. It's dangerous. I'm not just being an old fuddy-duddy. It's a proven fact. It's proven statistics. It's damaging to relationships. So we have to manage it better. We have to have boundaries around it. Uh, Another boundary we can have is, is we should choose our friends carefully, right? We should choose the people that we hang out with very carefully. The more boundaries we put in place, the better protected our marriage is going to be. Adultery starts in comfortable settings. It starts with friends. It starts with coworkers. It starts with family. I know, that's weird, right? But it does. Nobody just walks into Lowe's and, you know, picks out a, a store clerk they don't know and say, gosh, I'm leaving everything for that person, right? Doesn't happen because it starts in very comfortable, very familiar settings. We have to be careful about the things we say to members of the opposite sex. Ladies, I get it. You may have married a dud, and he's not very good at compliments. And maybe your love language is words of affirmation, and he just never does that. But you got to be careful about going out and searching for words of affirmation from another person. It's not healthy. It's a dangerous path. And men will tell you whatever you want to hear. And guys, we got to be careful about what we say to members of the opposite sex. You know, it's okay to compliment, but don't flirt. And check your motives. Why are you even saying something along those lines in the first place? Again, it's simply about having boundaries. So we should we should do whatever we can to create a loving and a trusting and an intimate and a secure bond with our spouse. And we do that by setting up boundaries to protect ourselves. Boundaries in who you're going to talk to, boundaries in who you're going to engage in conversation with, how long you're going to spend with other people, all that stuff. I mean, when I counsel a member of the opposite sex, I will not do it in private. I'll do it in public at a Starbucks or a Panera Staff is the same way. Again, I never want to give my wife, Lisa, any reason to doubt my love for her or my faithfulness to her or my commitment to her. Another boundary we could put up, don't keep any secrets from your spouse. When we keep secrets, it gives sin a chance to grow. You should be an open book with your spouse. Anytime I do marriage counseling, I'm like, you've got to have a time you communicate with each other. You got to communicate with each other on a regular basis. Tell your spouse everything. And I realize that I've spent a lot of time talking about this commandment, but it's so important that we protect our marriages. So let's jump into the next one Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. 
you must not steal. God gives us another easy one. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. I think this is one of the easiest commandments that we could obey, right? Here, amongst all these somewhat difficult commandments, and and if you look at the other guidelines in the Scripture that God gives us, this one, it's as if God just kind of pitches us a softball that we ought to be able to knock out of the park. How? Don't take anything that doesn't belong to you. When you take something that doesn't belong to you, it violates another human being. Remember what Cody said last week. You know, everyone is created in the image of God, and everybody's valuable to God. And when we make an assault on another person, it's an assault on God. So we could simply obey this by not taking anything that doesn't belong to us. Now, most of us think of stealing as pretty cut and dry, right? I took money from the company. That's stealing. I I stole a TV out of this person's house or out of the back of their car. We, We get that that's stealing, but stealing can also be our deceitfulness, right? Think about it like this. When you sell something, Facebook Marketplace, eBay, Craigslist, when you sell something, do you disclose? (laughs) Everybody's like, I ain't looking on, I'm not looking at him. (laughs) Do you disclose everything that's wrong with what you're selling? If not, that could be a form of stealing because it's deceitfulness. Or what about work? Do you use your time wisely at work, which you were hired to do? And I know bosses give you so much time on the internet and time for lunch and all this stuff, but are we using our time for what we are hired to? If not, that's a form of deceitfulness. What about supplies? You ever take supplies home from work? Listen, when I worked in corporate America, every week I had to approve my employee supply list and sign off on it before they could get their supplies. And lo and behold, this was crazy. Every November, mid-November, the request for Scott's tape went through the roof. I'm thinking, we are not this careless. We don't tear that much paper here. We're, we're, pretty, we're pretty good. I knew they were taking it home and using it to wrap their packages. That's a form of stealing. How about, how about this? I'm just going to try to crush all of our toes at once. How about taxes? Do you practice, and you don't have to, just, just look straight ahead. Don't look at anybody. Do you, do you practice tax avoidance or do you practice tax evasion? I mean, tax avoidance, that's smart. You should not pay the government any more than you owe. You should take every single deduction known to mankind that you can take and not pay more than your fair share of taxes. But tax evasion is cheating right? It's a form of stealing. Even if it is from the government, it's stealing, right? When we maybe fudge about something or, oh, I really didn't give that much to the Goodwill or to, you know, the Agape Center this year. I kind of exaggerated that. It can be a form of stealing. Here's another one. (laughs) Have you recently moved to another state, but you left your tags in the old state or your insurance, or your registration, because it's a little bit cheaper. I'm just saying, we don't always understand the heart of this commandment. But I love what Paul says, and this is, this is crazy. Ephesians 4.28, if you're a thief, quit stealing. 
Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Wow. Paul says, quit stealing and make the transition in your mind from being a taker to being a giver. That's what he's saying. Listen to what else he says in 1 Timothy 6.18. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Now, this may sound unconventional to some of us, but it's a fact that generous people are less likely to break this commandment because of this thing called greed. And we've, all, we've talked about this before. Generosity towards other people, generosity towards God, it's an antidote to our greed. And if we're not full of greed, if we're not constantly thinking about how to get ahead and get more and get the latest and get the greatest and get the, the newest, it's never going to cross our mind to cut corners and steal something or to take something that isn't ours or or, or to take something from the company or to fudge on our taxes. It'll never cross our mind because we're not full of greed. So essentially what Paul is saying is our generosity can not only be an antidote to greed, but it, it can keep us from going down this path of deceitfulness. That's pretty radical rethinking that Paul throws at us. Again, if we only think of stealing as taking this money or taking this television, then it may not make that much sense. But when we think about what we're capable of, and I'm just as capable as the next person of our deceitfulness, it's wrong. And I realize today's tough. You know, these seem like really straightforward. Oh, this is going to be easy for me to do, especially commandment number seven when it comes to adultery. It's tough to hear because a lot of you have been through that pain. But here's what we need to remember about all sin when we walk out of here today, and it's our final learning, learning number three. Sin will take us further than we want to go. It'll keep us longer than we want to stay, and it will cost us more than we want to pay. So if you're contemplating an affair, or if you're in the middle of an affair, I'm begging you, just just end it. End it today. End it immediately. If you're, you know, being dishonest in an area of your life, you're taking something that isn't yours, whether it's material goods, whether it's from the government, or you're taking people's time or their emotions or manipulating the law in some way, just stop. See, I think God is honored when we obey these loving boundaries. He didn't say it was going to be easy to obey Him, but He's honored when we do. And listen, no matter where we're at or how far away we may be from from honoring one of these commandments or any of God's other loving boundaries, He's powerful enough and strong enough and loving enough to help us to achieve whatever it is He's called us to do. He will give us the strength to put the boundaries up around our marriage and to safeguard and protect this gift that He's given us. He's strong enough to get us to wherever we need to be. So wherever it is today that you might be, ask God for his help. And he'll help you to make these tough choices. He'll help me to make these tough choices. 
Let's pray together. God, you know, sometimes, uh, just to be honest, when we hear your, your boundaries, and especially these Ten Commandments, man, it's tough. It really hits home when we understand the heart of them. But God, we know where you want us to be. And again, it's not to take away our fun. It's to protect us, to protect our marriages, to protect our children, to protect our families and our friends. Lord, you know what each and every one of us is dealing with today. And we're all dealing with something. We're all broken today in some way. God, whether it's on the subjects we've talked about today or something totally different, I want to pray for all of, all of us that you would take the hurts and the pains and the regrets and the remorse from us, that you would remind us that's what Jesus is for. That's why Jesus came, that we are truly forgiven when we have a relationship with him. Jesus, when we accept what you did for us on the cross, we're truly forgiven. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, no matter how many times the enemy tries to bring it up in our minds, we're forgiven because of you. Remind us of that today. Remind us of that this week. Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this community and everything you do for us. In Christ's name, amen. Real quick, before we close, we're going to close with a video so you can uh, watch that. It's from our Passion Camp where our youth went a couple weeks ago to Passion Camp. Uh, Sign-ups for next year will start sometime in September, but we'll make sure we get that information out to you. Uh, I want to encourage you, though, to fill out those connection cards. You can download that Church Center app, access it on there. You can go to blueridgechurch.net or simply scan the QR code. And if you've got prayer requests or need more information about the church, maybe you want to sign up to, to serve on a Sunday, you can do that through that connection card. I hope you have a great, terrific Sunday. Let's watch this video, and you're dismissed whenever.